Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and joining me again and again and again, my good friends, Lieutenant Commander Eric and the glorious return of Lieutenant Commander David. What's going on, gents? The glorious return for what, like the third or fourth time this this year? <laughs> I just like periodically that. drop off the map, you know, for a day. It's fine. You're like stuck in like shuttle pod two. It's fine. No, like ice <laughs> sweeps you up and then they have to let you go. Oh, mm. boy. Oh, no. Or the FBI. Or the FBI. I want That's to believe. Hmm. 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 More on that later. <laughs> we're, we're, we're so we're, we're I'm, I'm very happy that, you know, they have like the whole catch and release thing and that you've returned back to us, David. So um, how you been, man? How you been, David? No, I've been good. Just busy. A lot of a uh, lot of work stuff had had all the fancy executives come in. Ooh. Yeah. You, you know how you get like higher ups that come around and they always say, well, I don't know why people are so afraid of me. It's like, well, they're afraid of you because you could literally end their entire career path by like one wrong word if you get mad enough because you're not in tune to what's going on. That's why they're afraid. Absolutely. And you're one of those people that everyone's afraid of, aren't you? Oh, no. I'm, I, yes. Yes, I am. It's fun. Mm-hmm. No, not really. It's I do remember one. The little, squishing the little people. <laughs> I do remember one person at one point uh, after a while um, when they kind of got to know me. They were like, you know, when I first came on your team, I thought you were really scary and unapproachable. And I was like, well, I am. And that's exactly how you should feel, you know, because I, I enjoy, I, I just enjoy being a contrarian, but, uh, but no, yeah, that, that good stuff happened, you know, got out. I went to a fantastic popcorn place. I love popcorn mm. and it's like, it's one of those snacks I never get tired of. It's called Al's popcorn. It's in Columbus mm. that they had like 24 different flavors of popcorn. And I wow. came home with way too huge bags of salt and vinegar buckeye which is just chocolate and peanut butter uh tomato soup and grilled cheese uh uh, shoot what was uh jalapeno cheese and then uh there was one other one oh it was called breakfast it was a combination of french toast and bacon and cheese and it was fantastic French I loved it so much. I was so happy. Popcorn? That yes. sounds disgusting as far as it, You would think it does, but as soon as you put it in your mouth, you'll mm. realize that it is amazing. I, I, it, it, honestly, I was sitting there, and it was ran exclusively by 70-year-old ladies. There was not a person under 70 in that entire place except probably one nice grandson in the back who makes all the popcorn for us and then we bag it (laughs) but she just kept handing like little tiny cups of different popcorns and we tried all the popcorns and i'm just having this marvelous time in this little shop it really it it was just it was a very nice friday (laughs) it was a lovely friday (laughs) did you you have a nice cold glass of like hand squeezed lemonade to go with it no but interestingly enough they they despite all this popcorn which i'm sure some of it is unhealthy the Mm. only thing they had in their little cooler was water so Hmm. you know you 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 have to drink some nice cold water you can't possibly drink soda or anything of that nature that's terrible for you way too much sugar (laughs) 
So anyway. Do they, yeah, that was it. Do they ship? <laughs> do they ship? I actually think you can get it shipped. Yeah. I don't okay. know. I, look, the, the first time I ever tried it, my work, like, they try and encourage small business sometimes. So we get sure. some of it in the cafeteria, and they sent small bags. It was way better fresh from the store. Salt and vinegar popcorn. Oh, man. It was great. Man, it was dude. it was a happy time. Man, you man, know, dude. I wish I liked popcorn more. Um, I guess all those years of selling it in Boy Scouts and then like <laughs> just having so much of it around and then like eating it, I just like I'm over it. I don't like popcorn anymore. And you know what? I even like the Boy Scout popcorn because I had two nephews who would sell it every year, and I'd buy it. Try the try popcorn, so you get you get your caramel, you get your cheese, and you get that that crappy buttered. And you know what? I would eat the entire thing. Yeah, be perfectly would. happy with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like I never I never understood the appeal either. Like to like I lo- I really do enjoy like popcorn, like whether it's buttered popcorn or some other kind of like flavored something popcorn. But like I'm like. So like popcorn is a fundraiser. It just like does not compute for some reason. Just does not compute, even though it's like America's most popular snack. Figure that one out. Um, it, well, it's it not, would. It's not Girl Scout cookies. No, it's not. Right. It's not like yeah. it's not as like satisfying to eat popcorn as it is mm-hmm. to eat cookies. Oh, you guys, right? look. <laughs> on. If I if if I were on death row, popcorn would be a part of my meal. <laughs> it would be one part of it, not the entirety, but a part of it. I, I love a it. Big old tub of buttered up popcorn. So mm-hmm. I was I was in uh, Toledo back in um, I think it was like 2014 or 15 for Christmas. I can't remember which year. I get them confused because we were in Toledo both years, one Christmas, one Thanksgiving. Um, my cousin, um, who we stayed with was like yeah you're like part of the christmas gift that we're giving we're getting you know you and your your wife are like your own like gourmet bags of popcorn at this like one popcorn joint that was like across town from where they lived and it was just like some random kind of like strip mall place and it had like maybe one or two locations and they're like yeah sample whatever you want get as big a bag as you want it's on us and I think the thing that I got was like a dill pickle, jalapeno, something. It was like a dill pickle and a jalapeno, I think, kind of mixed together. And oh my gosh, was it like the most tasty, the most savory popcorn that I have had in a long, long time. It was so good. So good. You're gross. Hey, man, you, you, you cannot tell me that if you walk just into a store full of 70-year-old grandmas in maroon pantsuits and they offered you a big old, just big old bag of popcorn, you couldn't turn that down. Well, because the look of disappointment on their face if I said no. It's a great business model. <laughs> you, you look a lot like my grandson. Would you like some free popcorn? You take it. <laughs> We'd all take it. David, no, it's okay. I, need... I don't really like popcorn. Oh, oh man. My grandson who passed away. Popcorn <laughs> was his favorite snack. <laughs> oh, get the get this. There's a furtherance to this story too. So I'm pretty sure that it's a popcorn cult. 
because the only two other people that were in the store were also probably seven years old and they tried to recruit them. So, do you have a job? Would you like to have a job? They didn't offer me a job. I'm, I'm a nice young grandson. I could be making the popcorn. But no, they didn't offer me. But the 70-year-old couple that was in there, they definitely offered them jobs. They're accumulating grannies. It's a great retirement plan. It's a great retirement plan right there, baby. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. David, I need to send you, like, some some gold press latinum or something and like you ship me this like breakfast popcorn like i would love to try the breakfast popcorn you said it was like it was um french toast bacon and what it, it, so yeah it was it was french toast which was really really good that's i mean you get people that add way too much cinnamon nutmeg whatever but that was perfect and then it was uh cheese and bacon so cheese and bacon popcorn and then uh french toast mixed up into one okay okay dude like let's let's talk after the show, and I want to figure out how, how I can get my hands on this breakfast popcorn. Like for real, for real. Do I need to like next day air it? <laughs> you do what you do, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Better yet, just send send the grandmas down here and make it fresh. <laughs> hey man, you never know. If they start invading Texas and just owls popcorn true. all over the place, I don't know. I don't think the world could take it. Mm. Grandmas are taking over. You know, we did have we do have this Gonzalez flag that says "Come and take it." I mean, it's it's fine, it's fine, it's whatever. Oh, don't you worry, we will come and take it. <laughs> Thanks, Loretta. <laughs> Eric. Yes. How have you been, man? <laughs> I've been good. We went and saw um, "Singing in the Rain." On the big screen last night okay. for the 70th anniversary. Yeah. One of those, like, TCM big screen classics, right? I love Singing in the Rain. I think it's just an amazing movie. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. It's a classic, man. Like, how can you it's, not love Singing in the Rain? I mean, it's number, it's number eight on my best films of all time list. Let me guess. There's a spreadsheet to prove it. I've literally showing you all the spreadsheet that's true you have I, I, facts hashtag facts was singing in the rain with dick van dyke no that is mary poppins mary poppins where he has the worst british accent ever i love dick van dyke though no let me tell you rain, another grandma sing, story about dick rain, van dyke singing in the rain has gene kelly and then a young debbie reynolds ah okay of Halloween Town fame. Debbie Reynolds? Yeah, Debbie Reynolds was in it, wasn't she? Debbie Reynolds is Carrie Fisher's mom, right? Yeah. No. What? Yes, you're right. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, Debbie Reynolds was the was Debbie Reynolds uh, is Carrie Fisher's mom, yes. Yeah, Debbie Debbie Reynolds is uh is uh grandma Aggie in um um, in in the Halloween Town movie series on Disney Channel, so there you go. Yeah, I was just for a second there. I was thinking of Judy Garland and Liza Minnelli. I don't know, I got my mm. wires crossed. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, ain't that a quinky dink? Well, cool guys, cool. Well, I'm glad that that y'all got to have some fun 
and um, that y'all been staying busy, you know, whether it's been fooling around with popcorn or, you know, grabbing an umbrella and singing in the rain. Good for y'all. Good for y'all. Um, I've been busy too, but I don't know if we really need to get into it. Um, we should probably just move right along. We'll just move along home and talk Trek. We, we've only been about 12 minutes, Chase, so, you know, you, you've got like eight minutes. So you've got eight minutes to, to address the floor. I'm good, man. I'm good. <laughs> I don't need to pontificate and do that sort of thing. Oh, Lord. Um, I guess one thing I will say, though, is that um, I'm getting to the end of, like, the school stuff and um, currently looking at a professor gig, and uh, there's just been some good developments that have come as a result of some conversations. And um, Anyway, don't want to really jinx anything. I don't really believe in jinxing stuff, but I just don't want to jinx it. So... Um, I don't believe in bad luck, but I'm not going to tempt fate. There you go. Right there. That's what we call a true statement. Um, anyway, moving up, moving right along, everyone. Uh, gents, let's go ahead and talk Trek. So if this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. We are going into spoilerific territory. Right along. As we talk about Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 7, Monsters. Did anyone time this? Did anyone just like look at like the timer on this? Like this was like a ten minute cold open. Well, I guess like I mean technically it was like I guess six because you had like two and a half, three some odd minutes of you know recap or whatever. Yeah, the the re the recap felt long to me for whatever reason. It really did, man. Yeah. I mean, most of it most of it didn't feel relevant to this episode either. I mean, so here we are, monsters, and where we left off last time was, you know, uh, a drive-by denting of Picard, yeah, and um, trying to, in in like kind of freaking out um, the good doctor, right? Like kind of blowing up her her um, defibrillator pad. And now here we are, we're trying to figure out what do we do next? And um, anyway, um, this episode we pick up um, a, a, in, some, in the ready room of all places. And it's not the Enterprise E or D uh, ready room. So I'm gonna speculate on this one. And I think this, this might only apply or, or speak to like the folks that have read the comics, but I'm thinking this this is the ready room of the USS Verity, like his ship that he had as admiral. Like that's the only thing that would make sense to me. Well, I mean that makes sense if that's the last place that he was in charge of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because whenever he was whenever he was mobilizing the fleet to do like the rescue operation, you know, for like all the Romulans and everything that was going down 20 some odd years ago, roughly. Um, yeah. Like the ship that he was given that was made, whatever, uh, was what it that was his ship was, was the USS Verity. And that's where him and Rafi, um, served together, um, on that ship. And, um, I guess, I mean, this is bad podcasting, but I really should have looked at the comics before we even started this thing to see if like the layout looked similar. Um, but, I remember it being kind of more 
open. Um, so I really think that was the verity, which for anyone that might have thought like, okay, well, the Countdown comics aren't canon. Well, this is, I guess, in a way, kind of canonizing the USS Verity in Star Trek officially. Did they not add those comics to general I, I thought canon? they did. I thought they were canon. Like yeah. I'm, I'm like 99.9% sure that they are canon. So, but like, like the Verity, man, like it's a beautiful ship. Like if, if you haven't like looked at like the, the artwork in the comic, like it is gorgeous. It is a gorgeous ship. Even, even if it is a comic, um, like the bridge is gorgeous. The ready room's, uh, gorgeous. I mean, it's, it's just a good looking ship, but yeah, like we're, we're having like, um, some kind of impromptu kind of therapy thing going on. And, uh, you know, he's still in his tuxedo, just having a good little jibber jabber uh, with none other than Gaius Frackenbaltar. Yep. And haven't we been having like a few little comments along the way about like freaking Battlestar Galactica with the Queen and Jurati and the whole Six and Baltar kind of thing going on yeah we had that discussion last week with like mm-hmm. the disembodied voice that appears to <coughs> and, you know the provocative red dress that Gerardi was wearing mm-hmm. very provocative by the way I even think we, we had some Battlestar Galactica references in season one I'm sure if you go back and listen to those old recap episodes you'll you'll see some uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. So, so yeah, we're just having like this. Um, we're we're coming in. We're we're talking and just having a good old time. And I have questions about this. And it, I'm really, really holding myself back from jumping to the end of this episode because of what we're seeing. Um, but in talking about this, you know this the guy who has no name at this point like just the the psychologist i guess is what we'll call him is just trying to get the dude to talk and kind of just being like a jerk about it um and like is tell he, me a I story mean, is he because because it was like picard was like you know the, the therapist is like um what did he say he said something like it's not my job to tell you how you're feeling or so i forget exactly what he says it's not my there was something that I, I kind of agreed with what he said at the beginning but then Picard's like but it is your job to analyze and now that I've told you how I'm feeling what does that mean now hmm. I, I kind of wondered because like it's very obvious this is going on in his head oh no spoiler territory what? but but at the same <laughs> token I almost kind of wonder if this is how Picard sees therapists though like, this is the manifestation of how he sees therapists, where they're combative because he doesn't want to share. You know what I mean? Because it's not like... Because he's such a closed-off person. Yeah. And then this but, sort of, like, irritating person, this is just how he sees how this might go if he actually did it, maybe? So, are you saying, like, this is how he sees therapists, or how he sees himself in therapy with a therapist? I would almost say maybe a little bit of both. Because he's, he's Picard's always been closed off, no matter how you slice it. I mean, it took him how many years to play one card game with his bridge crew? 
But at the same token, he probably is annoyed by therapists, but this is also, I would assume, what his mind's eye would kind of think about how he would even react to therapy. I just, I'm going to like push back a little bit and like, how does that, I guess, inform his relationship with like someone like Deanna, for example, who was his close confidant on the Enterprise for so many years as ship's counselor? Yeah, the only thing I would say to that is she's a, a true friend, though. They built a relationship, whereas he doesn't know, in quotations, who this is right now. So this is like unknown territory. So where he probably could talk to Deanna and even um, even Crusher at times as well, this, is, this, this would be like going in dry like, Okay, Picard, in order to go on the Stargazer, you have to go to therapy real quick to see if you're still fit for duty. We wouldn't possibly do that or anything with an old guy just on a mission, but whatever. And I think I think it's more the reaction to, well, I guess the unknown in a way. Sure. But I have a question. Do you think Picard ever formally made an appointment and had a formal like counseling session with Deanna Troy? Formally? No. No. Like, okay, yeah. now we are in a counseling session. Or did he just say, come into my ready room and we'll chat for a little bit? Yeah. I mean, like, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but, I mean, following the events of Best of Both Worlds uh, 2, right, or 1 and 2, I suppose, I mean, he had to go through some kind of, like, psyche eval he had to have gone through some kind of something right in order to return to command i mean for us it was just one two episodes and he's back in the center seat like no problem after being completely stripped of his identity well, as, yeah, you know yeah, as he had his mudflinging incident with his brother yeah just casual brother stuff you know yeah but like no there was like nothing at like what starfleet command right like nothing with uh with Deanna. I'm sure they Picard. Was. <laughs> Picard, you need to go to therapy. It's fine. I threw some mud at my bro. We drank wine. And I'm fine. I'm better. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. I'm working myself out of a job right now, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Oh, wait, shall I, go, I just go fling a wee bit of mud. Drink a wee bit of, of wine. I'll be fine, eh? No, no, no therapist, eh? All right, let's go. I mean, let's he, give it a he, go. He, he received letters from his 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 <laughs> sister-in-law, right? Yeah. That's all you need. You don't need fancy psychiatrists in the field of psychiatry. You don't need that. Mm. That's that's completely wrong. Don't take that as canon. That that you need that stuff sometimes. That's a true statement, by the way. <laughs> Well done. I think this whole episode is like trying to showcase the need of proper mental health. The whole yeah. like Alex Kurtzman era of Star Trek is about that. Yeah, Too soon? Too soon? That's probably true. Mm-hmm. Which I'm grateful for, but anyway, let's keep going. Yeah, let, 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 let's, let's keep going. So... So yeah, we 
we we he he starts to tell this story, which w- takes us back to we young lad Picard back at the at the chateau with his with his mom, um, dressed up as like a prince and a queen, painting in in the the greenhouse or whatever that is, right? And then this like the paintings or whatever start to come to life, and they start to run. And after a wee bit of running, it comes back to like our regular Picard, who's like kind of like seizing and kind of freaking the heck out. And of course, credits roll, and we are able to, you know, start to move with the story some. But this is like ten minutes. Like, good grief! Like, well, episode two had like ten or eleven minutes when Q takes shows him his penance and he's, you know, showing him all the things about that world. So, you know, this season has done that. I'm just waiting for, like, a 20-minute opener. This is not Discovery, all right? <laughs> no, I swear, there's an episode in season one where it is literally, like, 18 minutes before the cre- before the opening credits roll. Your episode's, like, half a quarter over by then. Like, good grief. <laughs> one all quick right. comment here. <clears throat> so, according to data, Picard is... Um, not the most skilled painter. His mom's trusting him an awful lot here. She's she's really trusting him with that brush. Mm. I mean, he might just throw a bunch of different artistic endeavors together, and huh. I don't know, man. She might have to go back and fix it. Hmm. Hmm. So. Okay. Guys. We do y'all, do y'all just want to like just talk through the entire like Picard thing, or, or how do you how do you want to do this? Yeah, it's it's probably better for flow. I I'd assume. Yeah. Okay. So oh, this is where it's gonna get a little wibbly wobbly, timey wimey nonsense. So with with the monster and everything. Um, we know that um, Talon, not Laris, um, is talking about wanting to go in. Like she kind of like pitched that idea last week. Um, like let's let's we'll do like this weird kind of like techno pseudo mind meld so I can go in. We're in it's Inception, right? It's the same. There we go. You know, it's our technology from that movie. And I'm gonna go in, check things out. I'm gonna poke around, see what happens. Maybe I can kind of get the dude out. It'll be fine. What's the worst that could happen? Hmm. You could almost die for one by some kind of creepy demon looking thing, but that's, 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 that's fine. It's no big deal. It's whatever. Um, so we, we know from John, from, from little Jean-Luc that he's, he feels trapped. Like he, his like, He's like stuck in like this like center kind of like I don't even know what to call it. like not really it's, I guess he calls it a dungeon in a sense but like just like this little area like with multiple doors and he's just like stuck and his mom told him if you ever get stuck just stay right where you are so I can come and find you and I can rescue you type of thing and kind of going back and forth like with like the the therapy thing which we kind of come back to um 
you know, like he thought he was alone and he wasn't, meaning like the little boy. And that's where we see Talon come in and start to walk through the mind palace that is Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah, and she says, this is what your sober mind looks like. I'd hate to see what five beers in looks like. Yeah. <laughs> Old five drink Picard. Yeah, with five drink Picard. Here's to the greatest crew in Starfleet. <laughs> oh, so I don't like I felt I felt okay, so watching this, like I watched this episode twice, and I was a little concerned that this, we were going to have like some, I mean, maybe we will, that we were going to have some like back to the future implications going on. Like just by her being there and like totally like poking around and like kind of screwing with the subconscious that it was going to like alter memories and some other stuff. Like just like Marty kind of did like by getting his dad or whatever to punch Biff like it got him like a nice new Toyota truck or something like that's kind of what I thought was going to kind of happen in this episode with just her just walking through the mind palace any thoughts on that did y'all think that at all or am I alone on that one no I I mean I I just I I figured he would she would eventually like run into real Picard you know I I don't. I didn't really think it would have any implication in sort of the in quotation real world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So, she offers to help get him unstuck and to help him kind of like explore things. Um, she comes upon like you know the the young lad, the you know probably like what the nine ten year old, I think I'm guessing. So they they start to leave and like there's like the door thing like the doors are kind of locking but they're able to like to find go like out a different door and like sneak it around some and like we have to go through this door and there's a guard but there's also like the this like white mist yeah but before this that before fog. that little Picard says we have to find the white door right the my white mom's door, yeah. always behind the white door the white door moves. It's not always in the same place, but wherever the white door is, my mom's always behind the white door. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and then we have this, like, this white fog, or there's just this fog that rolls in, and these mist creatures of sorts come in. And this is, like, where it gets, like, really, like, kind of... Pan's labyrinthy. Yeah, man. Like, it was, like, creepy as heck. Like, I was just, like, not expecting that sort of thing to happen. So, yeah, you get, like, one random dude who, I don't know, like, almost had, like, a, um, um, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm spacing. What was um, the the character's name in The Goonies? Wore the Superman shirt. I can't believe I'm spacing right now. Anyways, it, like, totally reminded me of him for some reason. And then, of course, we had, like, this other one, like, with a, like, a blurred-out face. And, like, horns. And horns that was, like, holding holding um, Little Picard. And then we had, like, the Goonies guy holding Talon, for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the horns <coughs> guy, like, chained <coughs> Little Picard's uh, leg, foot, to, like, some post in the middle of there. So he was, like, chained to it, and he couldn't move. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 
this is the part where it's like, yeah, what's the worst that could happen, right? Like, it, it can't get any worse than this. Like, oh shoot, Talon, you're about to you're about to get choked out and like die in the mind palace. Like, that's not good. Like, Matrix rules. If you're unplugged in the real world, you die in the digital world, right? So your your body can't live or your brain is dead type of thing. Yeah, but in the Inception world, if you die in the dream, you just wake up. Very well. Who knows what would have happened with that weird mind palace tech of stuff. But... Um, yeah, she like just like gut punches the dude, does a little flippy do thing, and all is well, and unhitches the Dumaflachi for a little Picard, and they're off to the races. Yeah, they're yeah, they're back on the hunt. Before they go off to the races, um, at one point Talon says, "Wait, you're you're the one who's making yourself stuck here. Like you you're the one who doesn't want to move." And little Picard is like, "Well, what if it's as." bad this time or worse this time as it is before like so little Picard is somehow traumatized from all like <coughs> the things that have happened and he doesn't want to experience that again and, right. and Talon's like well you don't know what's gonna happen if you don't even try if you just stay here you know you, who knows what'll happen mm-hmm. you gotta actually give it the attempt you gotta give it a go. Let's see what's out there. Mm-hmm. As Mama Picard would would say. Um, so we we get out of this, and as we as we continue to move around the Mind Palace, um, I hope all our Shakespeare or not Shakespeare, our um, our Sherlock fans are enjoying that little Mind Palace stuff. By the way. Um, we're we're kind of there's like this this intercut that's kind of taking place here and there like with our Picard and Baltar um, with like stuff and at some point we have I hope I'm not jumping too far ahead but we have our Picard who's transported from what I believe is the Verity ready room to the dilapidated chateau and at the dilapidated chateau, this is where things get kind of interesting. And I know that we are, you know, a little more than a half hour into this episode. Um, and I've already done like the red alert thing. But I just want, for the sake of the listeners, even though they've probably already seen the episode, potentially, if you haven't, trigger warning uh, for some of the content that's to come. Um, in this part of the discussion um, as it relates to like violence in general Um, he him Talon young Picard and Baltar all end up in this dilapidated chateau and Picard starts to our Picard starts to put pieces together with like what's going on for the most yeah, but part. I think I think he starts to put it together when young little Picard sees the therapist <coughs> and runs up to him and, and yells, Monster, monster, you're the monster. Mm-hmm. Right. And the confrontation that ensues. I there was just like I don't know, like 
how Patrick Stewart delivered some of those lines, like the just the utter like malice, yeah, malice um, in his delivery. Good grief, man. Good grief. Um, as he addresses and like finally figures out who this dude is. And Gaius Baltar is Maurice Picard, who we we know of, by the way, from the next generation. Um, and one of one of Jean-Luc's biggest regrets is that he never got to reconcile with his father. Now, whether that's actually going to happen in this season of Picard, I don't know. Uh, maybe there's like hints of it, glimmers of it in this episode. Um, but just the anger that Jean-Luc has with his father, Maurice, um, in what he believes happened to his mother. And I remember, I think it was David. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, if it was David, it might've been Eric, um, how, um, children are not the greatest, um, um, Narrators, thank yeah. you. Yeah, so that yeah, so if you watch the Ready Room after episode one of season two, Patrick Stewart is Will Wheaton's guest, and Will Wheaton asks him and says, "Is there anything you can tell us about this season coming?" Without giving spoilers, is there anything you can tell us about the season? What maybe we could be looking for? And Patrick Stewart says, "I think the biggest thing I can tell you is that." children are often unreliable narrators and like what you remember from your childhood is not necessarily what happened because you just don't understand and i and he's obviously he's alluding to this right here and whatever and whatever might come of it in the next three episodes yeah yeah right like child Picard essentially thought his father was a monster for locking up his mother essentially right but we learn that that's not exactly what happened and you know, father Picard says I might be a monster but maybe not for the reason that you think I always got the vibe that that Maurice was um was like an abusive drunk. That was always kind of the vibe that I got from what limited amount of things that we had ever really even heard about him. Mm-hmm. Um, which obviously is, is bad enough on its own. But after this, I, I thought it was kind of interesting the route they took with his parents in a way. Um, but it, it, it kind of makes some sense because you look at Robert. Yeah, where is Robert who, in all of this? Thank you. Yeah, very, very interesting question. But Ro- Robert always took effectively his father's side. And maybe you think about someone who is older and could see things in a different light. And maybe looking at his his brother not so much as the one who was the overachiever, which is what we got in the episode where Picard goes home in Next Gen. But maybe he also kind of looked at his brother a little bit now like the foolish child who 
was going on these, in quotations, adventures when he shouldn't have. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, so, so, yeah, that's interesting. I just, I, I have a, a issue with this, this storyline. Not that I don't think it's a good storyline, I just, so essentially, Picard's mother has some kind of mental health issue. Whatever it is, we don't, it's not explained exactly what she had, but she refuses to get help for it. Like, she, she doesn't want to get professional help for for whatever reason and you know little Picard doesn't know about this he just you know his mother is his mother and they go on little quests or whatever down in the catacombs below the chateau and you know little Picard got lost got stuck there and got lost and was basically a you know abandoned by his mom down in the catacombs before his dad found him but then, like, the dad basically just locks mom in a room. From what I, like, that's that's his way of dealing with, like, his wife who has mental health issues. She just locks him in a room, and Picard, little Picard, just doesn't understand that. Like, does is there some significance to the white door? Does the white door have something to do with hospital or or, or medical care? It, yeah, that's interesting. The only the only other thing I'd add there is that if you remember, like in the episode of Next Gen, you know, it was alluded to that you know Robert and thusly his father were always very, I, I guess in quotes, old school, like very very much uh, away from like technology and in as much as they could and so forth. So may, maybe. Cause I, I don't know, and 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 please correct me if I if I miss something here. But did his mom actually not want to get any sort of care? Was that alluded to here? Well, that was that was what what was said. Is the is you know, guys Baltar here? He says like the the mother she refused to get help. Or she she okay turned it down. Okay, I I, I might I might have missed that, but it, then back to the illusion of. You know, Maurice saying I might be a monster. It could have been a, like kind of a combo of both, though, maybe, mm-hmm. and maybe Maurice. And again, we're we're only really deal, dealing with the Maurice through the eyes of Picard, not necessarily Maurice through the eyes of Maurice. But you you, you could also kind of make make a bit of bit of an assumption that he 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 really wasn't the greatest of people because he also dealt with this in a kind of a negative way too yeah yeah so this is this is where i have this problem here like in our world as it is right now like it's an awful thing but there still is like kind of a stigma of of associated with mental health like if someone has mental health issues people can look down upon them they can say hey what's wrong with you there there is something wrong with you and you're somehow less deserving of your place inside or whatever there is a stigma attached to it but in the star trek universe in the the world that gene roddenberry created this Mm -hmm. idyllic society where Mm -hmm. humanity we were it's not about you know us we're working to better ourselves we're working to better society 
I would think that in that universe that Gene Roddenberry created in Star Trek, mental health is not looked at. There's no stigma attached to it. You're, you're not looked down upon because you have some kind of mental health issue, whatever that is. And so I have this problem with, you know, uh, Picard's mother here saying, I don't want to get help for this. And I have this problem with the father's solution is to, like, not get her help. Because this should be part of this world, like, okay, you have a mental health issue, that's fine, we're going to help you, and we're going to work to make you better. Right, I mean, this better. might be a I don't mean, I mean, like... I know what you mean. You know. I know what you mean. Um, th- this might be a stretch, but even, um, like, with uh, the 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 issue of even hiring Patrick Stewart back in the 80s because he was bald. Like, what are they going to think of, like, a bald captain type of thing? And I think Gene, like, had like didn't really have to think about it too long, but, like, essentially his, his answer was, like, by the 24th century, no one's going to care if you're bald type of thing. So, I mean, like, I think it's along the same lines of, of what you're saying. Like, no one's going to care if you're bald. No one's going to really care to the same extent that they care about mental health as a stigma, right? Like, like you're saying, we can, we can do this. Like we have the technology, we can make things better type of like type of thing. I I don't know. The the only thing I'd say to that though, is Reg Barkley because Reg, although the, you know, there, there were certainly attempts to help Reg, like, you know, Deanna and, and the sessions and so forth. There was still a level of annoyance with Reg, despite his clearly anxious nature, which, you know, he dealt with sometimes in the best way he could, sometimes in the worst way he could. Um, and I, I guess I could understand somebody who, who perhaps has, um, you know, whatever diagnosis you might be able to give them, not accepting care. It just all depends on their reality that they see. Because in, in, in Picard's mother's mind, it kind of seems like, and again, like I have zero uh, learned knowledge in any of this, but it kind of seems like from the portrayal here that she is almost thrown into states where she's just living in a completely different reality and has to effectively run. You know, it's it's like a panic, uh, you know, a, a fear or, or or something coming to get her. I mean, I've even had, you know, kind of feelings like that at, at times too. You know, just in in really uh, low parts in life, which you know we all deal with. But her her not accepting care is more understandable. I think Maurice probably, and I think this this rolls down to human nature. I don't think human nature will ever change as much as we hope it will despite the fact that technology might get better. Um, heck, I just learned about a new cancer treatment uh, with protons that uh, legitimately, if it works the way it should, it will make chemotherapy obsolete, effectively, and it's amazing. But the fact is is that there will still be people who don't utilize it through whatever, you know, it's you know expensive, don't have the insurance, don't want to deal with it, blah, 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 blah. I don't think you really combat human nature as, as much as we kind of hope we would. You know, I, I think we all wish we would, but I, I still think we would have the same 
reactions despite all of the contrary proof to the other side that we don't have to. And, sure. and Maurice, I think it comes down to, to one other fundamental question. Does he love his wife? Because I think it, I think we have shown that he cares for Picard. He clearly showed worry when he found Picard, at least, again, through the mind of Picard. But he doesn't just, like, throw his wife in, say, like a, a sanitarium or something like that, right? He's still keeping mm-hmm. her at home. So maybe there's a piece of him, too, that's trying to fight and say, it'll be okay if she's here, if she's close to us, if, you know, we can help fix her, we can do this or whatever. She just which, needs to go and, and calm down or something like that. You know which what I, I mean? Which I think that's, like, the thing that a lot of caregivers are trying to do. Like, they're trying to hold on as long as they can to keep their loved one at the house before sending them off to like a nursing home, a hospital, a whatever type of thing for someone else, you know, to take care of them. Um, I mean, I know that was the case with us, with, with mom, um, whenever she started to decline, like we wanted to keep mom around as long as possible, but it got to the point where like we just, we couldn't handle stuff anymore. We just couldn't. Um, watching this and... I feel like I have to do another like little disclaimer real quick. Like with what I'm about to say, do no one, please no one take this as a formal diagnosis. I am not your counselor. I am a counselor, but I'm not your counselor. Um, there are one of three diagnoses that I was thinking about for what this could be. I don't have enough data to be able to, to obviously arrive at anything, but I'm thinking it's either like a schizoaffective disorder um, it's bipolar one, or it's a borderline personality disorder um, type of thing that's going on with with Yvette. Um, like you have, like you you certainly have like a mood disturbance that's going on, and the mood disturbance, the irritability, the whatever it could be, um, even like some of like the the delirium, some of like the psychosis kind of stuff that can be present depending in each of the different. Um, situations Um, the like more risky more kind of out there kind of stuff can happen both with schizoaffective as well as with um, your bipolar so there's a lot of carryover and without more data I wouldn't be able to to really make heads or tails of it but that's just kind of like where my, my, my thoughts were going initially watching this episode unfold so again I'm not your counselor, so do not, if you see like similar symptoms, please go see someone else. Like, please go get professional help. Do not take this note and what I'm saying about a character in a TV show as an official diagnosis. Please do not. Please do not. So let's let's keep on moving, y'all. I think we've camped down on that idea for, for a minute. Yeah, so we get enough. to the point where um, little Picard is ready to open up a door. He's got the key. Hey, there's there's more to this story. You don't know the full. You don't have the full story yet. There's more to it. But right then, Picard in the world wakes up, and we're out of the dream sequence. Right. I, I don't. I I'm just gonna say I don't want to hear any more of the story. I I don't. I don't. I don't like it. I don't, I don't want to hear any more. I I feel like I'm gonna be very sad. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear. I mean, this, this, everything that had happened here, I thought was really excellent. 
I think it was excellently acted, but I don't, I don't, I don't want any more of the story. Neither do I. I, I just don't. Okay. I was, I was emotionally spent, and if there's any more, like, yeah, I'm, I'm with David on that. Okay, but like, we, the point is, we get out, we're into the real world, and, and there's some things we'll, I'll glance over before we, and we can come back to them, but like. Picard and Talon are having this conversation. She's like, mm-hmm. wait, that was all part of Q's plan? That's what he wanted you to experience? He wanted you to relive those memories? And then and then um, she's and Picard's like, whatever it is, though, whatever more to the story is, it's irrelevant. And Talon's like, well, not if that's what Q wanted you to know, right? That's, like, that's important. And this is really weird. Like, Picard then says... I think this was said in the dream or by the therapist, Maurice. He says, like, there's no there's no better teacher than one's enemy. And it's like, does Picard did Picard really think of Q as his enemy? I don't I mean No, but anyway, the full quote here is like yeah. there's no better teacher than one's enemy. And Picard's like but I've been letting him control the lessons. Know thyself. That's what he wanted. Know myself. But what if the lesson is know him? Right? And then Picard's like, I've always filed Q as unknowable, but here he is so late in my life, still fixated on me. He needs this trial to happen. He's saying it's about me, but it's deeply personal and urgent to him. If we understand why that is, we can go on the offensive. And so I have some questions and some comments on this. (laughs) As you probably should. (laughs) Okay, so... Okay, I'm, I'm just all over the place here because... I went back and I just watched the opening scene of episode two, Penance, like after I watched this episode, because I wanted to know what was what was actually said between Q and Picard in the setup of this whole thing. And and at one point Q says, you know, you refute, you change, you ref, you, he says you change, except in the one way that really matters. Well, what's the one way that really matters? Is it to like understand that your your past your your remembrance of your past was wrong is that the way that's changing like i don't know but then he says right right the last thing almost the last thing q says to picard here is like i'm gonna give you a chance at atonement and picard's like atonement for what and q goes oh you know it's like what is the thing that that he wants us to atone for is it the more to this story is it what happens when Picard young Picard opens this door did he do something and does he now have to like atone for that is that the penance right because we remember like this is not a trial this is a penance you have to like pay for what you've done in, in a certain sense so I'm very curious about that but I'm also curious, Here's and, and then I'll let you go, mm-hmm. if what Q wanted was for Picard to experience these emotions and understand that his memory of them is wrong, 
and maybe he has to atone for what what he's done in these wrong memories. What the hell does this have to do with Rene Picard? Are these two things related at all? I, I mean, the only thing that connects them is saving her, like getting run over by a freaking Tesla. Yeah, but that's it. If if Q wanted to Picard to experience those memories and relive them, he didn't have to set up this whole situation. That's like the most contrived way. Get him run over by a car so he can slip into his mind palace. What the hell do these two things have anything to do with each other? Go. Discuss. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I, I kind of said towards the beginning, I, I think a lot of this is has always just been about Picard. It doesn't have anything to do with the human race or anything else. It, it's solely been a chess match between the two of them. And but I think the ultimate payoff... all that other stuff? Y- yeah. I, I, I think that it is more of a bait and switch. I actually, after this episode, I don't... Well, after last episode, I don't think that... Um, Rene Picard is the focal point of change. I actually think the focal point of change is how we left the end of this episode. And I think that it, it almost becomes self-fulfilling. So I think it's it's a much larger game, maybe. Hmm. But back back to the whole thing about about penance. Um I, I still I still have the thought that Q is coming to Picard at the end of his, basically the end of his life and is going to offer him effectively Q being a Q but in order to reach that like with anything because even like with Wesley when he became a traveler he had to move beyond sort of the mortal coil he had to move beyond the sure. the simpler understanding that humans have of the way in which the universe works in order to do what he did. It's like ascension in Star Trek. Stargate. Yeah, Stargate. Ascension, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I I think for for Picard here, I think Q wants Picard to understand the deeper meaning uh, of of him of of just of Picard. Why are you at arm's length? Why why do we have these personality traits? And why are you misremembering your childhood? What what I, I, I think Picard's been paying a penance his entire life. I don't think he I don't think necessarily Q is wanting to exact any further uh, punishment. I, I think he's showing Picard that he's already done that. And then at this point, it's more about understanding of the totality of a man than it is about, um, necessarily this whole storyline of changing the, the future. I think that that's more of a ploy to get... Because Picard's a chess player. That's what they do. They make yes. moves. It's, it's intellectual stimulation. So in order to get you to point B, you have to go A, you know, A.1, A.2, A.3. You have to get there in your own sequence because you are human and this is the way in which you understand it. Now that could be complete bullcrap at the end of the day. But I, I think I think that I think that unfortunately there's a lot deeper meaning to his memories and I and I like I said, I don't really want to learn more about the story, but I feel like we will. 
and I feel like that'll be a part of the bigger, grander scheme of things than the actual Rene Picard sort of storyline, because I think that that's relatively minor. I think if we do end up doing anything like with the key in the door thing, it's probably going to be episode nine. Like, if I were a betting man, I would, I would guess episode nine, just because, like, of how this episode ends. But, like, it just seems like the, obviously we're not there yet. We have three episodes left. But it just seems like we're kind of like losing the story, maybe, in a way. You know, like we we had like this grand idea, but like with all the hoops we've had to jump through along the way, we've 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 lost the scent in terms of like what we originally set out to do and the way in which we were going to get there. Well, yeah, I think uh, this is maybe a six or seven episode idea that they was like, you have ten episodes make sure you take 10 episodes but it, it's not a 10 episode idea mm-mm. Mm-mm. do you guys find it at all significant that Picard literally continues to not know what to do I've pointed that out several times now every episode he doesn't know what to do do you ever think that the point is is just do because a Q yeah. just does. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, think about it. The end of this episode, you're you're in some like some deeper stuff, and like, you know, <clears throat> voyage home when Chekhov is is taken by the military and so forth. You know, and they're having their banter back and forth. That's actually very serious. But in that movie, there was several layers of humor to it it wrapped in you know the 1990s-esque thing that was going on but you ever think that and again going back to the turning point not being Renee but the turning point they were taken by the FBI they were videotaped uh, Picard was videotaped beaming in they're taken by the FBI and maybe the solution is hey Picard you are backed into the trap the only way out is for you to snap it away. Like Q's putting him in almost like a, an unwinnable, like this is the choice you have to make. Do you think, okay, so are you getting at that the reason that Q can't snap anymore is that he's given his snapping abilities to Picard already without Q or Picard even realizing it? I don't necessarily know about that. I mean, but it could be. I just think I, I, I think that he's snap a bit snapped out at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I actually have this cool idea. I don't know if it's like too wait, in, wait. too inside or whatever. Theory crafting from Eric. What? No. 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 Is no, no, this? no. No. Anyway, listen. So, Picard's like, I gotta summon Q because if I can understand what he wants. I can go on the offensive. So, like, let's bring back Guinan. Like, that was, like, a really abrupt, hey, let's just bring back Guinan. I thought she was already gone. I thought Talon hated her. Anyway, so... And I mean, what? Guinan tells some story about how centuries ago there was a truce between the Q and the Elorians, 
but they somehow trapped that truce inside a bottle of booze <laughs> because food and drink tell a story. I, I, I'm perfectly fine with like Elorian society saying like food and drink tell a story and like we trap important moments in that. Like I, I'm perfectly fine with that. But like is it in every bottle of booze that they do this? Is it just a special bottle of booze? Is it one bottle? Is it multiple? Why does Guinan have this bottle on Earth? Shouldn't this be like... <laughs> in the hall of, of <laughs> yeah. El Orions? Yeah, like hey. secured behind some like force field that with guards that no one can get into. <laughs> no, 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 no. See, everybody who went to the party got a, a commemorative bottle. They all got their right. commemorative so they- Ashes from the fire. That's right. They they all got. It's like don't forget to stop at the gift shop for your commemorative bottle before you leave. No, but like, hey, hey, can I ask a question here? What's the power scaling on Alorians? Like, are we are we literally putting them on the same level as Q? Because I always just saw them as like really super long lived beings. Like I didn't necessarily think of them with like like power power. I mean, I have no idea. If they have, if Elorians have power, power, why couldn't Soren in Star Trek Generations bring the ribbon to him on his own? Why did he have to blow up suns to course correct it if he had. If I have the power! I, I know why. <laughs> why? Because he didn't have his I Dream of Genie bottle with him. He wasn't invited? No. Anyway, anyway. He, le- he left it back on, on um, Eloria. Hold whatever. on, hold on, hold on. Okay. Guinan drinks this bottle and she does some s- primal scream, right? Did yeah, it work? She does. Did it work? Uh, I don't think so. I don't see any reason why it wouldn't have worked. Oh, and then somebody's walking down the stairs. Is it Q? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did like a little talent thing. <laughs> the weird Whoopi Goldberg like cloth. <laughs> you know who it was though? It was Lieutenant Jay Duquesne. It was Jay Carnes. Yeah, this is hold on. The actor who comes down the stairs is Jay Carnes. Like good character actor. He's been in a lot of stuff. I recognize him most from The Shield. I don't know if anybody's seen The Shield or if any of our listeners have. He played Detective Dutch Wagenbach. He was one of the main antagonists of our main character, Vic Mackey. Anyway, Jay Carnes comes down. Oh, I'm just, I'm here. I'm celebrating. I want a bottle. Of, I want, I want a drink. I'll just give you one drink. But that's not who he is. And all of a sudden, he comes up, and he's got the little like uh, video camera. There's a perfect video camera, like perfectly aimed right where Picard just happened to beam in, you know, the other day, because that's convenient, right? 100%. Anyway, FBI, this is a raid. We're taking you in. (laughs) But, like, no, listen, this actor, Jay Carnes, there was an episode of Star Trek Voyager called Relativity. Was, Was there, Eric? Yes. Where Jay Carnes plays a lieutenant, the second in command of a the time ship relativity, right? Where they are like controlling and like restoring timelines and making sure no one messes with time. This is a deep cut. This is a deep cut. I mean, 
is it just coincidence that this is the same actor? Could this be I think a time traveler, right, who's now noticing someone is messing with the timeline? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, good old uh, Lieutenant Duquesne, like I was saying. Yeah. Yeah, I think who, that's a who, deep cut. I think most people wouldn't like. Go, but I think the like the, the Watcher from Assignment Earth, I think, is a deep cut as well. Hundred percent, hundred percent. We had a few deep cuts with this, like even with Nomad, like the name of like the freaking Jackson like Lincoln. courtyard, you know, like going all the way back to that, right? Yeah, like. Is the, like is he undercover with the FBI and he's like really just trying to protect the timeline, you know, with his role as an FBI agent or whatever? I guess we'll find out in next week's episode of Star Trek Picard. Um, there are a few like kind of loose ends, I guess, along the way to kind of like just at least mention, kind of tie up a little bit. Um, we we have like a little bit of like the love stuff kind of like develop somewhat with um, the good doctor and um, and uh, Rios. Um, yeah, there are some there are some funny moments, like no, like, I, I'm from Chi- I'm from Chile. You know, I just work in outer space. Yeah, like from yeah, like I, you're Voyage from outer home. space. No, I'm from Iowa. I just work in outer space. But even before, <laughs> he's like, "Why are you walking at me like a serial killer? <laughs> you have to trust me." <laughs> That's what a serial killer would say. <laughs> but then he's finally like, "All right, I'll prove it to you." And he, like, beams them on his ship. And then the kid is like, I'm touching I'm touch everything. everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is, that's, that's me. I'm going to touch everything. I'm going to push every button. <laughs> I'm just going to touch yeah, like everything. <laughs> yep. So we're, I mean, I mean, we, we're kind of expecting that this is, like, freaking Jillian, right? From, from Voyage Home. Like just like a total like rehash of Jillian. Is she gonna go to the future with them? And like study whales, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I mean, what's gonna happen? Like they beam aboard a ship and like oh, by the way <laughs> You gotta stay here. I mean that would that would be I mean that would be a jerk move. Like, let's be honest. Like that would suck. Yes, come to the future where your job is completely obsolete. Hmm. <laughs> we, we need... Hey, we need a chief medical officer. Let's go, somebody. Commission her. Let's go. Stitches? What, are we living in the dark ages? <laughs> Drilling holes in this man's head won't help him. <laughs> Give me a dermal regenerator. It's fine. Fine. <laughs> I grew a new kidney. I grew a new kidney. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love Dr. that part. Dr. Kimmy a new kidney. Oh, man. No, but like, yeah, like... Dialysis? Sorry. <laughs> Take these pills. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. So, yeah, we we, we, we beam her aboard the La Serena. And um, even, like, that's, like, essentially, like, it. Like, you know, like... She does the thing, like she waves like the the wishbone over Picard's head while he's in his mind palace and fixes him. Cool. Just kind of blown away, like I can't believe I trust you around my kid, type of thing. Um, commenting on the art, like by the way, what a cool parent, by the way. Just letting people, 
use chalk and draw on yeah. like your your office wall. I mean, that's a cool parent, man. Like you're not like getting all bent out of shape. Like what? What is this? What is this? And um, we have like just a little bit more development, like with I guess a little bit more development with Rafi in seven, kind of having like a little bit of banter about some stuff and tracking Jurati, who we find out smashed in a window to kind of get the endorphins flowing to try and, um, I guess like the new end game for the Borg Queen is to activate the endorphins so that she can essentially take over the body and become this new and improved Borg Queen 4.0 or something. Yeah, and they're like, like, what do we have? Do we have Jurati with a little side of Borg Queen or do we have the Borg Queen with a little side of Jurati? Mm -hmm. Like, which is it? Yeah. The thing that I guess and, the only other th yeah, go ahead, Eric. no, no, you go ahead. I was gonna say like unrelated to the Borg Queen, like you know, bet between her like, or you know, Jurati, whatever, as the Borg Queen, roaming around doing all these things, uh, to get the endorphins up, like, was the only reason to smashing a beer bottle on the on the ground, just to kind of feel what the rush is like to smash a glass bottle. I guess. Sure. Why not? I mean, that's kind of where I was at with that. Like, really? Like, we're just going to... Okay, cool. Let's do it. That's great. Um, guys, there was this... There were, there was, like, this three-part episode earlier this season about losing a com badge. Did we learn nothing about well, I think holding on to your I stuff? I think he threw it on purpose, didn't he? <coughs> I thought he threw it on purpose so the police didn't find it on him when they arrested him. To me, it looked like he fumbled, oh. like he fumbled his his um, like stuff, and it, it it looked like it was an accident. But then oh. it's John, it's Jean Luc freaking Picard, and he's a boss and he knows what he's doing. Yeah, I thought he did it on purpose. I don't know. Anyway, there's one know. more thing about this episode. Just one. Yep. So not Laris, but Talon puts on these devices and she puts on these things over her ears which are noticeably spiky and pointed and not round and I said after last week there was a part where she was talking and it, the subtitle said speaking Romulan right? and now here she comes back out and she's like you know there's a little like side, side effect of the technology I used my ears came back my real ears. It's like, oh my god, you're a Romulan. You're not human. You could be an ancestor of Laris. So, apparently, not just the, the Sung line has the, the best DNA right ever, but apparently Laris is, has, or the Laris Talon line has some great DNA too, because how else could we know someone is an ancestor of a character Unless we use the same actor. There's no other Very way. Good. We just have to always use the same actor to show that this is an ancestor of a character that we want. I said, if we get an explanation, we're probably not going to like it for why Talon looks exactly like Laris. And I was right. I don't like it. Mm. But who does Picard like more? Great, 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 great grandma or great, 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 great granddaughter. Were there the same amount of greats in there? I no, probably not. Just go with it. Just go with it. It's fine. It's fine. 
next time on Star Trek Picard. Oh, no. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so she's a Romulan. Um, so we have... There's, there's a point that that Seven brings up, and I'm going to bring it up also for, um, for Talon. So Seven says that they're tr- essentially trying to get the Borg... Like, the Borg Queen is trying to get become strong enough to be able to assimilate, basically, and take over Earth. Like, she could assimilate Earth before Earth could even defend itself. Okay, fine. Um, we know how that works out, I think. I mean wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. It works out, right? It's going to work out. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Um, so, guys, um, why why, why Romulans? Like, I thought we didn't like those guys, and yet Romulans are now protecting Terrans? You know, humans? Like, well, no, 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 If she's a watcher, if you remember... The, I know the, she's a watcher. They were taken from Earth, and, like some advanced society like train them so like she's not acting on behalf of Romulans isn't she though she's not she's acting on behalf of whoever trained these watchers let's move on let's let's evaluate this this dang episode I think we've I think we've belabored this episode long enough so um if this is your first time listening, we're going to rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being a dumpster fire, 10 being absolutely amazing. Um, Eric, how would you rate this episode? Well, this episode has gotten flamed online from what I've seen. Really? Um, uh, before we started recording, I looked at this um, on IMDb, and it had, or I'll look at it right now, so I, if, if it's changed... Okay, it is a five point eight rating on IMDb. That's we're in really like hard we're in like we're in like discovery bad territory with the five point eight. <laughs> um, what? And a lot of people are calling this episode filler again. There's that Man, that, f, that, that f, f word, word that people love to use online as like the worst criticism they could ever throw at an episode is filler. They're like filler, filler, filler. Like it's not the worst criticism you could ever label an episode, but Man. the name of this show that we are watching is not Star Trek: The Next Generation. The name of this show is Star Trek: Picard. It is supposedly and allegedly about Jean-Luc Picard. We are supposed to be following his journey, learning more about him understanding him more as a character Mm -hmm. and this episode does all of that it is an exploration of the character of Jean-Luc Picard is we're not exploring strange new worlds and seeking out new life and new civilizations that is not the point of this show right this show is called Star Trek Picard this is not a filler episode and I think David explained it very well in what he was saying. Like, this is about this is not about changing the timeline or a certain event. This is about exploring, you know, Picard as a character, and and what he said earlier and how his relationship with Q. And I think 
I think this episode is very effective in that regards. Um, I enjoyed learning more about Picard here. Um, yeah, there you can take some issues with the therapy and the mental health side of it. Um, and yeah, you can take some issues with, hey, Gerardi is not in this episode and doesn't have anything to do. You can say Seven and Rafi are pretty much worthless in this episode. And, you know, you can say what you want. Like, I'm over this cliffhanger style of ending. But I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Yeah, we can, like, I have some problems with, like, understanding everything. Like, what does this have to do with Renee Picard? Did that serve a purpose at all? Did that even matter? Or is this what matters? So I have some problems with the construction of the season as a whole so far. And maybe that issue will be resolved when we see the next three of how this ends. Maybe that issue would be different if we got all ten episodes at once instead of week by week. Maybe I wouldn't feel so confused about the storyline if I could just watch it all, like in a binge but I thought this episode was good I actually liked it I really did um much more than I liked the last several episodes um I'm trying to look Chase normally tells us reminds us of what we rated these things most do I recently. need to do that <laughs> okay I, I got it uh he uh okay um I'm gonna give this episode a seven point Seven. Okay, Eric going with the seven seven. Yeah. All right, David, your turn. Um. So yeah, I I really enjoyed the episode, like a lot. Uh, I think that um. I think that similarly to Eric. The, the, the writing in the season has bounced all over the place from, I mean, I don't, I don't want to like get it down to basics, but like social justice, uh, causes, um, kind of, you know, non, non-linear time stories, bait and switch, and at times it just felt a little disconnected in a way. But, you know, as Eric was talking, I was kind of running through some of the um, some of the comments for the terrible ratings for this episode. And there was stuff like, there's no space. They're not in space. This this isn't Star Trek. This there's no space. It's like, what the hell are you talking about? Oh boy, some people should not be able to comment. No, that's that's terrible. Um, look, this was a a deep dive into Picard, and like I said, I think that the payoff is is ultimately going to be Picard offered in a no win situation the position of a Q because Q, as we know it, is I I think he's dying or something. And, you know, the other thing, too, with the magic bottle, souvenir bottle, the Q that we know isn't the only Q. So why didn't another Q show up? Yeah, like Quinn or Q. Yeah. Or Q or Q. 
So, I mean, that's a little troubling in and of itself. Um, But, yeah, I I think that in its own little way, this stands in its own little pocket. Its own little pocket dimension. It's a little pocket dimension of Picard that I just, I really, really enjoyed a lot. I, I, you know, while I don't really want to hear any more about the story of Picard's mother because it's entirely too sad... It was it was kind of interesting this this sort of like little deep dive into into Picard's brain. Now the only thing I will say, this is not unique. And if there's one thing I can say about the season, I have not felt at any point like it is unique. You know, you guys, I, I didn't watch Battlestar Galactica. Okay, I know I never watched it. But like when you guys talk about some of these other references, and I talk about references, we it's like. Can we just get a a uh, its own unique story? Stop paying homage to everything. Sure. Stop giving me a, a bunch of lines and scenes from Voyage Home. I like Voyage Home. It's great. I, it's one of my favorite Star Trek movies. I'll always love that movie. Whales and all. All right. <laughs> but in this day and age, I know we have so much media. I know we have so many movies and TV shows and ideas and blah blah blah. Last week felt to me like 24. This week, it felt a little bit different, but still not entirely unique. And I just kind of wish that they would they would stray off this this jerk fest of, of other genres and shows and ideas and just come up with their own thing. If you want to do mental health, like, Put it, put it out there, man. And I'll also say this. I think that the multiple storylines kind of gets to me a little bit too. I don't care about Gerardi right now. I, I, I really I really didn't care about that line at all. Um, even though it would be really scary in 22. We're in 2024, right? That's our year? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, just our year sure. is 22, but the show's year is 24. Right, the, the show year. I yeah. just want to make sure I wasn't... You know, in 2024, having a Borg invasion, yeah, that's that's pretty terrible. I don't think we could deal with that very well. No. Uh, man. But anyway, so it, it it was it was a good episode though. I I thought it, it felt it felt really nicely cinematic to me, in, in its own way. And, and it's a funny thing. Eric said uh, drop all of them at once, and maybe we could judge them in a different way in that. This probably should have just been Picard the movie and not Picard a season drug out over X amount of episodes. Like, I feel like we could have dealt with this in a movie and it would have been much more succinct. Um, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. So as far as ratings, I don't want to go overboard, but I really I really did enjoy the episode a lot. But because it just it takes it down a couple pegs because this isn't a unique idea. And if the payoff is not interesting, it tanks a lot for me. I don't want I don't want to hear about a screaming kid on a planet causing all dilithium to be destroyed. I don't want to care I, I don't want to hear about mothers in angel suits that wreck all of time and scare little little Vulcan kids. okay I don't I don't want to hear about those 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 payoffs. I don't want to hear about the longest year you've ever had where you grew your hair out. All right, I, I I don't I don't I don't want that. I want something. Please give. I, I know it's already shot, it's already written, it's already done and minted, but please give me something that's just cool at the end of this. 
All right, I don't care what it is, just give me something neat. Um, so, to that effect, I would say um, tentatively, I'm probably in. I really kind of want to give it a straight eight, but I don't like giving straight scores, so I'm going to give it a seven nine. Hmm. All right. This was the I think the first episode in multiple weeks that I actually wanted to watch again. The the last three episodes, so Watcher, Fly Me to the Moon, and Two of One, I was like, this is for the birds, man. Like, no, screw this. Like, one was enough. Let's just keep on keeping on, right? Like, let's just make it so, and we don't have to boldly go again. It's fine. Um, I gave my score, and that's it. I've, I've experienced it. I can talk about it, kind of. So, yeah. This one, I liked it. But, um, like, this was a heavy episode, right? Like, with, with, like, the Picard stuff, this was a freaking heavy episode. And, um, and that's all I'm going to say. That's all I feel comfortable saying right now. Um, this it was it was a lot, but to Eric's point, this is Star Trek Picard, not Next Gen. And um, as much as we want it to be Next Gen because it, it gives us the warm and, and fuzzies, whatever, whenever we watch the 178 ish episodes, it's not it. It's not it. We're not going to have 170 episodes. We're going to have like 30, and that's it. Um, like a season and a quarter, basically, of of Next Gen. Um, I like the development um, of of Picard and kind of I thought it I thought they did a pretty decent job of of really going into the past and kind of exploring who he was air quotes um, as as a young boy and what is perceived to be the experience then. Um, I, I just don't want more. I don't I can't I, I don't think I can emotionally handle mentally emotionally handle any more of the Picard story like with what's behind door number one. I, I just I don't I don't want to go there. I mean, if it happens, it happens and we'll talk about it, but I just don't want to. I don't want I don't want to see that. I'd rather just like let my imagination run wild and just visit it if and when I feel like visiting it type of thing. Um one thing, you know, one, one particular book, a children's book that I really enjoy is uh, Where the Wild Things Are. And I was getting some, like, major Where the Wild Things Are vibes with um, Little Picard in, like, his outfit. Um, like, the, and if you've ever read the book, like, Max wears this, like, wolf suit and, like, this little golden crown. And it just, like, totally took me there uh, with, with uh, little Jean-Luc. So I, I like that, too. That was, like, a nice little thing for me, at least. Um... I have questions though, like where is Robert in all this? Um, uh, how is this going to end? Um, was this episode better than the last episode? You're darn right it was. Uh, was it better than the episode before it? You're darn right it was. Was it better than the episode before that one? You're darn right it was. So for me, uh, with as heavy as it was, and even seeing good old Gaius Baltar in this, um, 
Like, why why didn't Picard realize that, that was his dad if it looked like his dad? Like, that's just like, I don't, I don't get that. I just don't get that. Um, I'm, I was, I'm kind of in the same ballpark as David. I was thinking like about an eight, um, eight one type of thing. So, um, I think I'm feeling generous. I'm going to be that guy just to kind of buck the system and go against David. Um, I'm just going to give a solid eight since he, he wasn't brave enough to give it a solid eight. So, um. So we're going eight on this one for for this episode. So that gives us um, an overall average rating of a uh, 7.87. So there we go. So that makes it the, um, I think, the third highest rated episode of the season for us. So congratulations, guys. We did it. (laughs) So... Anyway, that's that. Um, Before we get out of here, let's get to uh, the most important part of the show. The Twitter poll. Hey, man, I'm on a roll with these things. You you are. You are. You you, you did pretty good on the last one just because... There was a three-way tie. (laughs) There was a three-way tie, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, anyway. So, this this week's uh, poll was, um, um, I guess, kind of interesting. Um, and the question was, which quote-unquote monster is the scariest? The choices were uh, the Mugato, Talosians, Salt Monster, or Vidians. Remind me who the Talosians are. The, the um, cage aliens. Oh, okay. From Talos, okay. Yeah. So I've got, I've got the Mugato... Mm-hmm. The Colosians. The, the gorilla with the horn that was cucked, right? Uh-huh. Yes, tolo- Eric. Thank t- you for that callback. Appreciate you, bud. The Talosians. The salt monster or the Vidians? Yes. Which one is the scariest? Definitely the salt monster, right? Okay. That thing is creepy. It made it into okay. your spooky track list. It did. It did, actually. <laughs> it did. <laughs> what would you vote, David? Um, yeah, I, I think my I think my first instinct was was also the the salt monster. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. Alright, very good. Well, let's let's go to the results, as they say. Uh, coming in in last place. With 11.1% of the vote, the Mugato and Talosians. Okay. Oh, wow. They both got 11.1% of the vote. So we have a two-way tie for last. Okay, coming in at in second place with 22.2% of the vote, Vidians. Which means that the people have spoken and the scariest quote unquote monster is the salt monster. Well with what percentage? Fifty five point six percent of the vote. Yeah. Yeah. Dang, Eric, I swear you like created like a, a Twitter account and you're just like you're playing dumb with us. Hey man, I'm finally tapped into the Twitterverse. 
<laughs> Six in a row. He's got it all figured out. He's plugged in, man. He's got like his little like Doc Ock board queen things, like just scanning the Twitterverse, man. I swear. Oh, Lord. Hey, let's get out of here. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get out of here, uh, guys. Thank you so much for for the conversation, talking the episode again. Uh, we'll be back again next time to talk about episode eight, whatever the name of the episode is, because they don't tell us until like the freaking day of for whatever reason. That's fine. That's fine. I'm not bitter at all. Uh, but what did y'all think out there in listener land? Did you like it? I mean, would, did you um, like would, would you have rated this as high as we did? Uh, maybe it was lower. Maybe it was a perfect 10. I don't know. We'd love to hear. Uh, check us out. TRTVpod.com. Learn more about us there. We're on all the things, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at TRTVPod. Um, if you do um, you know, want to send us a note, uh, connect with us, you know, whatever, open up hailing frequencies and enter in accordance to TRTVPod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute limit before you know the monster comes to get us. And that's, ooh, that's not good. Um, finally, if you do want to mail us something, you know, like a paint set or a sketchbook. That's cool. Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas 76098. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, remember to boldly go and make it so.